This is episode number 221 of the Rising Man podcast with Chris Hempstead. It's never too early to plan for your future. What is up, Rising Man family? So glad to have you here joining me today. My name is Jetty Azuma. I am the host and founder of the Rising Man movement, and I am so delighted to introduce my guest for today. Before I jump into the episode, this is your last chance. We are one week away from Dojo ATX. Yes, we're doing it here in Austin, our four-day self-mastery and embodied leadership training. I can't believe we're only one week away. It feels like we've been talking about this for months now, because we have. But if you still want to sneak in and get yourself in this dojo experience, we won't be doing another one until May in 2023. So jump in now. It's September 15th to 18th. You can get all the information for registering and what dojo is all about at risingman.org slash dojo, D-O-J-O. Go check it out. It is going to be amazing. I'm so stoked for the men that we already have registered. And I hope that some of you guys decide to join us in these last few days here. Okay, my host today is none other than Chris Hempstead. Chris is a financial advisor working with clients on their personal financial planning. Originally from St. Louis, Missouri, he moved to Los Angeles and worked as an independent film producer before building his financial planning firm through Northwestern Mutual. His mission is to authentically connect with people personally and professionally so we can all help each other create the lives we want. In this episode, Chris shared tons of important foundational financial wisdom. Seriously, guys, so much stuff that they should be teaching in schools. We started off by discussing the role of decisiveness in becoming a man and how the fear of failure plays a part in our ability to make or not make decisions easily. Chris shared his own story of transitioning careers from entertainment to finance, what it was like to mourn the loss of his original dream, and how he asked for help in order to build something entirely new. We discussed what living within your means really looks like and how everyone can begin considering this. Chris suggested starting with a budget in order to create financial discipline and why it's easier when you're single and how to navigate finances as a couple when you have a partner. We discussed intentionality, creating clear financial targets in order to avoid frivolous spending. And lastly, the importance of developing a habit of savings as early as possible. This and so much more without further ado, Chris Hempstead. All right, Rising Man family, got another guest joining me here today for the first time on The Rising Man, Chris Hempstead, coming in live from LA, La La Land. How's it going, man? <laughs> Good, Jetty. How are you, man? I'm great. I'm great. Um, I've really been looking forward to this conversation, as, as folks will have listened when in the introduction that we recorded uh, just before this. Um, you've, you've been helping me out tremendously and in my finances and just the financial conversation. And I know that's something that is really important for all humans, but especially men, men in my generation, it seems like a really evasive topic. So I'm, 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 gl- I'm grateful that you agreed to jump in here. Cause I think it's going to be really valuable for a lot of guys. Cool. I appreciate you asking. Should be fun. Yeah. Excellent. Well, before we jump into all the financial juiciness, I always ask my guests this question when they come on the show and that is, what does it mean to be a man? Um, I think what I learned about that is, um, you know, when I think about that question, it, for me, it's, it's being in relationship with other men, uh, and, uh, being open and, uh, not being afraid to be vulnerable. Um, and I think the, the biggest growth for me was, was, um, leading coming from a place of leadership also in my family, my family unit and that third entity, um, 
as opposed to just kind of defaulting to, well, what do you think? And what do you think? Um, and so I think that's really been the, the growth for me is, is really owning more of um, my power or myself uh, in, in different relationships, um, both in my, my marriage and then also with other men and people in the world. Mm. So I think it's a, I think it's a, a strong place and a needed place right now, especially for men of integrity and authenticity and vulnerability. Um, so those yeah. are, those are where I try to come from. Well, I'm a big fan of leadership. Anytime someone throws the L word around, um, I'm in and I agree with you. I think that's been a big part of my own discovery is finding all the different areas in my life that leadership is available and shows up because growing up, I was a sports guy, athletic background. So leadership to me was captain of the team. Yeah, that was that was the I, I didn't really look at leadership through many other lenses. Uh, maybe maybe leadership in terms of like being the president of a club or president of the United States, but looking at myself as a leader of my own life or a leader of my household, leader of my community, those were all distinctions that I didn't have till uh, later on in my adult life. So yeah, and I think bringing bringing people along, uh, not just and saying, "Hey, we're going this way," and I'd love for you to come with me. This is the vision I have for it. Um, rather than kind of a dictatorship, which I know, I know I've fallen into as a, as a father and, and in other areas. So oh, yeah. that's a key piece. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, there's another word that I heard in your description of what it means to be a man and you didn't say it directly, but I heard decisiveness. And hmm. I think that's actually a good leverage point to move over to our topic to today, because I know that one of the things I've struggled with as, as a man, especially as an adult is decisiveness and making decisions. <laughs> if mm -hmm. I'm being really transparent and honest, there's still moments in my life where I, in, internally my, in my head, there's a voice that says, I wish somebody would just tell me what to do. I'll put all my energy behind it. I'll devote and commit myself 100% to it. I wish somebody would just tell me what to do. And where I've been grateful for having a men's team and having some of the background that you and I share is that's never what the men in my life offer me. Mm. <laughs> they know that they, they wouldn't rob me of making those decisions and having to deal with the consequences on my own merit. Um, so what, what, what is it about decisiveness just in regards to becoming the type of leader you're talking about and even just stepping into our full power as men? That's so important. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a phrase called that says doubt kills the warrior. So when we are hesitant, um, and I think all it's natural to be afraid of fear, uh, afraid of uh, failure. I think it's natural to be afraid of failure. And we all don't want to have those failures. It's not a good feeling. Um, but uh, I, I've heard a phrase a while ago that says no education is free. So even when you make a mistake, uh, you learn from it. And I think um, the 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 decisiveness can come from, Hey, I'm in action. I'm moving towards something. Um, uh, it's not life or death. If I need to make an adjustment, I will. Um, but ultimately that's, that's where I try. And, um, that's what helps me because I can overthink as well. Uh, for sure. I'm an overthinker. And so it's just moving out of that place of indecisiveness and kind of spinning out mentally to, I think this is the direction let's go for it and, and just try it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love what you're saying there. And it does, it does always come back to that relationship between fear and doubt 
They're, they're like the two, they're like the twin bullies on the playground that you're just like, oh man, I'm going to get my ass kicked again by fear and doubt. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, just before, so, so I want to obviously start steering our conversation towards your area of expertise. Uh, before we do that, would you just shuttle off a little bit of your history, some of your credentials when it comes to finance and what you do for a living now? Sure. So, um, so, you know, I, a bit of a unique path into the, into the career. Um, and so where I, where I started, I was born and raised in St. Louis. So I'm Midwest, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And then I moved out to LA, um, you know, at 23 and, um, really kind of grew, grew up out here, um, from, a, from manhood and into manhood. So, um, and really the, uh, what I originally moved out here to pursue was the entertainment business. And I was focused on that uh, for a long period of time, and specifically just, what acting uh, music. Uh, I, uh, so initially acting, and that's where I met my wife was in an acting class. So oh, cool. I got the the great prize there because she's extraordinary, and she, neither one of us are in the entertainment business anymore. But um, but yeah, so she, she's amazing. So we've been together almost twenty four years, married almost twenty, and we have two kids, uh, seventeen and fifteen. So. Uh, by far the best thing in my life without question, um, is my relationship with her. So, um, so that's the, the relationship background. And then, um, was really kind of becoming tired of, uh, so much is out of your control in the entertainment business. So I was focused on feature film production and reading books and scripts and finding financing. Um, and then, you know, uh, essentially just married two kids in a very expensive city. Uh, it just wasn't working financially. It was a very, very difficult struggle. And so it was really my dad one Christmas was out here visiting and he's like, you know, um, your work ethic is very high. Your integrity is off the charts. People like you and trust you. And I think you could do well in the financial planning space. And so, you know, it wasn't a new idea to me in that uh, I have a lot of family. So the company I work with is Northwestern Mutual, and I have a lot of family with the company. So my uncle was with the company for 50 years. So I kind of grew up watching him and his lifestyle. And then uh, my brother, my sister, and my cousin are all with Northwestern. So it's kind of a family affair. And then, um, so yeah, I transitioned and started my own practice. And that was 10 years ago. So uh, wow. I built my practice out here in LA. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just dig into that a little bit because I didn't actually sure. know that part of your story. So yeah, you so you you made your way into a whole new career. Mm-hmm. You're already raising, if I'm doing my math correctly, a five and a seven year old. If we're talking mm-hmm. ten years ago, yep. so you already have a a budding family, and then stepping into an entirely new career. Just talk about that transition. What was that like? What, what came up for you? How'd you navigate it? Um. Yeah, it was it was intense on a lot of levels. So I think. The, the two levels that come up for me is one, really mourning the loss of the dream. Like I really thought for sure I would be a producer and I'd make movies and I love telling stories and I love movies. And, um, and that was extremely difficult to come to terms with that. That was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then alternatively, um, starting a business because you don't get handed a book of business you you build it and it's like hey reaching out to family and friends and getting referred to other family and friend member uh, you know family and friends if there's and so this circle of you just keep drawing it wider and wider and um that's how you build your clientele 
And so there's a lot of hustle involved and, um, you know, having that faith to kind of bet on yourself as an entrepreneur and as a, uh, as a business owner is major. So super scary, uh, wife was incredibly supportive. Um, and yeah, had to earn and, and grow it quickly because, um, I had, you know, I had two young kids, so, um, it, it's an amazing thing and it was very scary, but, um, so a lot of help asking for help, a lot of, a lot of tears <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and, um, you know, but, uh, looking back 10 years from now it, it, or 10 years from, from that point, it's, uh, made a totally totally put me on a totally different trajectory for my family and what's, uh, you know, possible for my, for us. Yeah. Well, it's, it's certainly something I can relate to. Uh, I don't know if you know this part of my background, but I was a physical therapist by trade. I think I actually was working in physical therapy when you and I first met and, um, yeah, to, to transition careers into something entirely different with the skill set that obviously I'd been building, but had no evidence that I could actually provide for a family from it. And it took time, exactly what you said, right? Um, I wasn't so much mourning the loss of the dream because I actually feel like I've moved closer to my dream in the transition that I made, not further away from it, but definitely asking for help, building something entirely new, also building something that doesn't really have a roadmap to follow or there's no manual, especially anything in the entrepreneurial space. So, uh, so yeah, I can relate to that. And it's, it's, it's nice to hear that part of your journey. Now, I imagine getting into finance is, uh, it's a pretty big departure from entertainment. What were your, what were your stories or beliefs about finance? What, what was your own financial health or outlook like when you first got into it? Yeah. So, um, so I was not making a lot of money, uh, you know, as a producer and, um, I had a day job. So I was working in a, in a file room at a law law firm hourly and, um, really doing the side hustle thing. And, and, um, so not, not strong financial picture. Uh, and, um, and so the, 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 I guess the goal was, Hey, this is not what I want for my life and my family. So how can I make a change and make a change quickly? So that was ultimately where I looked at, um, the financial services space and, uh, you know, my upbringing, um, my dad was an attorney. Uh, my brother's a CPA, my sister, um, also went into the career. So we, there was, there was always dialogue around, we need to be saving money. And, uh, like that's just, you got to save money every month on some level and easier said than done. No question. So having that discipline, but it was instilled in me early on to be like, Hey, if you have a 401k at work, you got to save into it. If there's a match, you got to take advantage of the match. Um, even when it seemed like, uh, are you kidding? I'm married with two young kids in Los Angeles. Like it's super expensive. I'm making like 40 grand a year. No. And they're like, no, you have to do this. You have to. And so, you know, just like any other habit, you kind of build it in and, Mm -hmm. uh, it becomes automatic at some point. But, um, so that was, that was instilled in me like, Hey, let's budget. Uh, my mom was a huge cutter of coupons. She loved, (laughs) she loved, she loved the bargain. Um, you know, but I think from a, 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 a mentality of, I mean, those were lean times and, uh, I, I probably one of the most, uh, 
something I never want to live again, relive again is, you know, it seems simple in the moment, but it was devastating at the time. Um, you know, we were very paycheck to paycheck and going in debt. And um, we were parked, my wife parked at a meter overnight and we'd forgotten to move it when the, you know, the time was to, 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 to feed the meter. Mm-hmm. So we go racing out there and the guy, the person's already giving us a ticket, of course. And I don't know, remember what the ticket was. It could have been $15. It could have been $70. But at the time it was like devastating. And mm-hmm. my wife is like crying as we're moving the car. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I never want to feel this again. Right. I never right. want to feel this again. So, um, so that is what, on a small level, what drives me to like, Hey, I got to reach out to people and be proactive in reaching out to them and say, Hey, are you open to a call? I'd love to talk to you. Let's see where it goes. And so that's how that cycle, but it can take some time to get out of the scarcity mentality. Um, and so that's really kind of been my, my journey of, okay, what's the next level and how can I start building it up from here? Well, Thanks for sharing that story, man. Um, those are, those are the types of vulnerable and honest shares that I think are so valuable because we all have them. We all have those moments. And I know I said to you before we started recording, one of the best things I ever got from the men's workspace is remember that I'm not unique. That you know, how, where can I see myself in another man's story? Because we're all there. Uh, what what a what a powerful memory to have. You know, the fact that that's stuck with you all these years, you know, just uh, and and that also you found a way to motivate from that place. I. I have, I, I know my own experiences and I know the experiences of people I'm close with. It's interesting. It's always interesting to me how money is often a conversation that people really guard themselves around. It's not some, it's certainly not something you lead off with. Here's how much I make. Here's how much debt I'm carrying. Here's my portfolio of assets, <laughs> right? It's not, yeah. it's not like the typical conversation starter. And so, but it's, it's always interesting to me is, is, well, why not? And I think mm-hmm. that piece of, uh, I think, I don't know if you just mentioned it now, or if you had mentioned it previously, the, the feeling of shame yep. that comes up with not being a, with not being able to, to really just own the, the, the circumstances or situation that we're in. Um, so uh, let's talk about that first. Cause I think that's where it'd be a good place to start off. Um, I'm going to read off a couple of stats here just cause I mm-hmm. think sometimes data helps. I looked this up. This is from Lexington law. I'm not, I'm not a big financial researcher, but they see, they did some good homework. They compiled these stats from different places. And I was interested in exposing the millennial financial tendencies. I, I wonder, I don't think this will be any news to you. I'm sure you know all this stuff, but these are all averages. So the average spending for millennials is $52,000 a year, mm-hmm. which means that anybody who's making $50,000 a year is either going into debt every year, or they're, like you said, living paycheck to paycheck, right? No, virtually no savings coming out of that. Um, average savings for millennials is about 9.8%, which that's something we can get into a little bit later. Um, average post-tax income is 58,000. 58, so I, I guess that's the average they're determining from is how much people are making on average and how much they spend. And then average credit card debt, which I know this is a big one. Um, it's it's $4,700 for, so $4, as the average for millennials. And the averages, it's interesting ranges. So younger millennials. So on the younger side of that generation, the average is more more like 2.2K. So $2,200. The older millennials, so I guess the, you know, like the 80s babies are, the average is $6,600. So on average, the older millennial generation, there's there's like a, it's interesting if you try to look at the data and interpret the narrative. 
mm-hmm. but the last one, which I think is the most important one, is over half of millennials report that they they live paycheck to paycheck, meaning if a paycheck didn't come in, they wouldn't know how to pay for what they need to pay for. So, just uh, you know, just laying that all out there is that are these all things that you're aware of and how do you interpret that? What's the narrative you derive about this generation and our financial literacy based on the the stats? Yeah, I think, um, so, you know, as you said, I, I live in California, Los Angeles, um, you know, and it's very easy to get kind of skewed on, uh, what the average income per household is. And, uh, I mean, I do work with people all over the country and so, the average income per household is around 63 grand, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, uh, so essentially if you're making a hundred grand, 150 or more, you are in the, you kind of like one to 5%. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think, I think the challenge is, um, how do we budget? How do we think through finances? And I think it can be very difficult to live within your means. Um, you know, it's very difficult to have delayed gratification or to kind of target, Hey, I want to save up for something. And the typical way is I'm going to buy it. And then if I can't afford it, I'll put it on credit card and then I'll, I'll pay it off as I'm making money. And that, that can be dangerous. Um, so, uh, I, I think the, yeah, I mean, the paycheck to paycheck thing is very difficult. Um, and ultimately, it does, it does really, there is, there's always exceptions, but I think a lot of it comes down to what kind of discipline do I have around saving for myself? And that can come up from a self worth issue of like, hey, I'm not really worth it because we have, I, I work with a lot of people who actually, when they get money, they give it away. Mm. Like, oh, they need it more than I do or, you know, and so that self-worth is, is major. Um, and that's something I've, I've really worked on myself as well. Like how I really need to honor myself. This is a way to honor myself by saving money, yeah. saving money. Well, so, let's, 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 I want to spotlight the living within your means conversation. Cause mm-hmm. I know, uh, for myself and for my wife, that's something that we, th- there's a couple of variables I believe that are at play. So a little bit of context, a little bit of history. My wife and I met 10 years ago. We got engaged the following year, married the year after that. The year that we were getting ready to get married, so eight months before the wedding, she she got laid off. They did a round of layoffs at her company, so she lost her full-time job. Up until that point, I was making a comfortable and predictable salary. So was she. Our collect collective expenses were still very minimal. No children. That was a big mm-hmm. factor. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, you know, and we both were employed and we were you know making a consistent income the moment she got laid off was there was something that happened that clicked in me which i, I kind of trace it all the way back we're talking eight years ago now but something happened in me where i said hey listen i didn't want her to worry about it and my solution for her not worrying about it was i trust myself i'll bet on myself don't worry babe i got it covered when really i didn't really know what i was doing it was kind of the way i've handled things other things in the past where i said you know what I trust myself to figure it out. I always have up until this point. Uh, I'll bet on myself and I'll find a solution. So don't worry about it. In the process of planning for an ex- a wedding that was more expensive than we really could realistically afford, that was the first example of us going outside of our means. Mm-hmm. We got pregnant three months after that. 
or after the wedding. So later that year. And then we kind of got into this, uh, what I think is the, the treadmill that just keeps going faster and faster. And you don't, even when you start to pick up, like you start to catch your, your breath and, and speed up a little bit, somebody jacks up the speed on the treadmill and then you're still running, uh, for, for several more years. Um, I'm talking about going into several tens of thousand dollars, tens of thousands of dollars worth of credit card debt. Um, my, my wife, my wife still has student loans that haven't been paid off. Always feeling like we could never quite save money we, or we would save and burst and we'd be like, Oh my God, look, we have, you know, $20,000. And then all of a sudden, before we know it, we're like, we got nothing again. What happened? Um, and we've been, we've been doing a lot of work today together to really track what happened. What have we been doing? What are the financial habits that we inherited from our families? And how has that uh, shown up as we've had our own families? Because before we had kids, we didn't have any credit card debt. <laughs> we didn't have anything like that. Um, so back to this idea of living within your means, I think that that's, that's a really important thing to consider. Where where do people leave, where, where do you even start with people? Because that because to live within your means to me that's very subjective. How do you how do you make that more concrete and objective? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the the hardest things to get people to do would be to sit down and do a budget. Mm-hmm. And I um, <laughs> I struggle with it myself, you know. And it, and certainly if you're if you're single, it's a little easier to track. Um, if you're in a relationship or a marriage, um, it's, it is typically a challenging point to come together on. Um, and, and so, uh, cause what I value may not be the same things that my wife values and vice versa. And so this is where the dialogue really is important to have. And I love that you had the experience of like, Hey, don't worry about it. I got it. And now just knowing you and how much you are in uh, communication with Carrie that now you're on a better, you're better financial ground because mm-hmm. you're working together as a team. And I think that's super uh, important when there's a, a couple dynamic. So um, I do think it, it is important and it's not fun or sexy to be like, Hey, let's sit down and track my budget and really kind of take ownership of, where is my money going? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then this can lead into intentionality, which if you are targeting uh, something that is important to you, uh, you'll have, you'll have more focus on saving towards that thing um, rather than, Oh, I feel like I'm making money. Um, so you're a little looser with your frit, what would be could refer to as frivolous spending Um, and there's not as much intentionality and focus on, well, what do I really want? Um, and so that's, that's really where I think to slow down, uh, it's funny you mentioned treadmill. One of the things I say is like, we want to take people off the treadmill of life once or twice a year to slow down and plan Mm -hmm. because we're all overwhelmed with our life and feel so busy. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that's like, Hey, I need to pay attention to this. Cause we're, we're working, we're all working very hard for our money. So now let's give it that extra line of care of like, how do we really pay attention to it so we can grow? So I think working within a budget is important. Um, and look, every month's going to be flexible, but for the, our fluid, but for the most part, there's, there's, you can hone in on here, are the basics, and then you'll get a sense of how often am I going out to eat? Uh, is it too much? Can I pull that back? And, um, you know, be mindful of like where, 
money is going, I think is the first step. And then you can start to, is that really that important to me? You know, online subscriptions uh, for movies, uh, you know, like the television, we, we cut out cable. We're like, we're not really watching it. We shut it off. Um, that was 200 bucks a month. So, you know, these different things that can add up. Um, so it's, it's important to be intentional around your money. Yeah. Which I think has been one of the biggest learnings for me personally. And I think I told you before we started this episode that I think the most valuable thing we can do is to begin normalizing the conversation of finances. Uh, what I like to do in, in, in this space is to, to, to share it, expose it, let's eliminate the shame of it, but not also not excuse that. I, I, so I don't, I want to, I want to give that disclaimer. I'm not saying that this is acceptable or is something that anyone should strive for, but you know, for me, one of the biggest things I came to realize was how much of my uh, financial behaviors developed as a way of trying to do what I thought would make my wife happy or mm. what I thought was going to make her feel more safe. When in reality, it was irresponsible. It wasn't taking care of a long-term picture. We didn't really have a long-term picture. We were living very much moment to moment. And my wife is also six years older than I am. So factor that in, she's got even less tolerance to her timeline than, than I do. And so it, cause it all started to change when, when we got married, there was something that flipped over in me. It was like, uh, I, I, and I look at it, I think it was playing out the, what I saw my dad do, you know, but, but it's, he, he always had a financial plan. He just never told me about it. Hmm. So I was like, Oh, it doesn't seem like my dad ever questions my mom on what she's spending. So I guess I should just focus on making more money. So there's enough there for whatever she wants to do. Whereas that, that wasn't exactly the position that I was in and having some harder conversations around, Hey, like, what do we really want to do? Like you, you mentioned intentionality, bringing more clear focus and more deliberateness to how, wh where each dollar we earn is going and what it's setting us up for saying, Hey, well, let's, let's not go on any of these trips this year so that we can do this big thing that we want to do next year, or so we can afford a house in four or five years, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that Carrie and I really have come around to. And it, and it took us a while because for a while, our solution was let's bet on ourselves again, right? Either go into debt or spend beyond our means and then find a way to make the money, which we got really good at generating more money, more income. We've, we've made collectively more money every year since we've been together, which is, I think, so not, not something everybody can say, mm -hmm. but we've also don't really have much to show for it. Cause every time we did that, we kept raising the bar on our, like kind of loosening up the belt on our spending. Mm -hmm. So, and I know that's not probably not an unfamiliar story. No, I mean, it, uh, yeah. So there's the, so I'll, I'll loop, loop it into one of the statistics that you were talking about. You said somebody, the millennials are on average saving about 9.8% of their income. So I think it kind of historically, you can be told that, hey, if you save 10% of your income, you'll be okay. And, and really, because people are living longer, so that's the biggest thing. We don't know when we're going to pass away. And so what does financial success look like? It is, hey, when I retire, I can maintain my current lifestyle and not run out of money before I pass away. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the, the basic goal of like, hey, this is what we want to create. And so I think they're, they're, that number needs to be typically higher uh, than 10%. And, um, and so helping people understand the math behind that. And so if you're making, so I'll just make this up, 20% of your income and you're making 50 grand. So that's one number. 
and you're maintaining that lifestyle, but then people make 75 or a hundred grand. So that 20% is now more than it was when you were making 50 grand. So what typically happens is they keep that at 20%, but they have an increase in lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And look, we all want to live for today. Totally get it. And so that's why the intentionality of what is it that we really want is important. And that's, that's always where we start. Like, what are the goals? What is really important to you and how important is it to you on a scale of one to 10, like 10, this, this is super important or four. It's a nice to have, not have to have. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think that's, that's the, the education part of it is helping people understand who are in their twenties and thirties, because it can be so easy to be like 60 years old. When I retire 65, that's so far away. Like, I don't even, I can't even pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. But if you start understanding the power of compounding interest, I think it was Albert Einstein who said the eighth wonder of the world is compounding interest. Mm -hmm. So the, the earlier you can start saving something on some level, you're building the habit and then it's going to compound because you have the, the, as you mentioned, you have more time. So that that's our biggest commodity is time and then having a compound. So, um, but what I love is that you and Carrie are in relationship about it. Cause what I really find in relationships is it can become very adversarial very quickly. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is very toxic ground. And so remember it, we are teammates, we are partners. Mm-hmm. This is hugely important. And so when we can come together and say, Hey, this is important to me, then it, it, it can be easier to have those conversations to say, Hey, we're not going to travel this year because we have this goal mm-hmm. rather than, well, let's just travel this year and we'll figure it out. Or you can easily compromise other stuff. And so that's where the, the value of having the dialogue, Hey, we're, we want to be saving this amount of money towards our future and also have short-term goals of, Hey, we want to take a trip in, in three months or six months, because what can happen just like on a, a diet, like, Hey, I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving forget it. We're going all in on this trip. <laughs> Boom. And so anyway, uh, so that's, that's what comes up for me when you have that conversation, uh, how, how important it is to be in relationship around it. Yeah. Well, I, I come from a healthcare background, like I mentioned before, and I was always taught prevention is the best medicine. And so when I think about what you're saying, when it comes to couples, I'm thinking about the guys who are not yet in long-term partnership right? Who haven't yet made that commitment to partnership with, with an individual for a lifetime. That is the time to build those healthy financial behaviors and, and habits. And I, I, I'll be the first one to admit, I remember when I was in my twenties and I started making money and my, my com- the company I was working for, for offered me a 401k. And I was like, ah, I gave him the finger. I was like, ah, screw you guys. I want every last dollar. What am I? I'm 20, 23 years old. What do I need a 401k for? I didn't, I, nobody could tell me anything. I didn't care what anybody had to say about that. That's the way I looked at it. And I, and I really didn't build up those healthy, healthy habits. You know, my parents, they, they started to get me on a good track. You know, I, I always paid down my credit card bill every month. I had a credit card, but I always paid it down every month. Yep. It wasn't until um, I got into a relationship with Carrie and then I allowed my financial p- habits to change. That was like the biggest, if I could go back to linchpin for me was I allowed my financial habits to change when I got into partnership with her because mm-hmm. 
I wasn't willing to have those uncomfortable conversations with her. I did, I was at that point, I didn't know how to say no to my wife. <laughs> I didn't know how to say, Hey, listen, honey, we, we can't afford this right now. I didn't know how to, I didn't have any game. I didn't know how to enroll her in a future vision, you know, delayed gratification. I was just like, let's throw it on a card. Yeah. <laughs> it's the path yeah. of least resistance. And so before even getting into those relationships, I think it's good to build, build one's own healthy financial habits and patterns. If you can, if you're not yet in a partnership, it starts and then, with you, it starts with you. Oh, totally. It's, for it, sure. well, it starts with the individual. And then when yeah. you're looking for a partner and you have those healthy financial habits, you can speak about those things. Hey, this is, this is my outlook on finance. You know, I'm, I, I want to retire when I'm 55 years old, whatever it is. What, what, mm-hmm. do, you, what do you think? What's your, what do, what do you think about saving money and find somebody who's more compatible with that? Because I don't think Carrie and I weren't on completely separate galaxies with finance, but we definitely had some ground to cover to come back together and figure it out. Thankfully we did. And I I would say a lot is, is in part to the help that you guys have given us and just Mm. given us enough of a roadmap to find our way. But, but it's a lot harder to do that. Whereas, you know, finding somebody who matches your vision before you make those commitments is also, I think it's just a little easier. No doubt about it. Uh, I mean, it is, it is a, it's such a difficult conversation to have because yeah. you're in love, you're super attracted to each other, like all these great things are happening. And so kind of the last thing you want to do is, well, let me let me bring some disturbance to this relationship by seeing, hey, are we compatible long term, mm-hmm. financially, spiritually, whatever it is, uh, all of those points uh, health wise are, are, you know, everybody has different lifestyles in that regard. And so mm-hmm. he, he, it can be very difficult to bring that to the table. Um, and so, you know, that is, that is a major piece that can be, make life a lot harder when you guys aren't on the same page. Yeah. So I also big intention I had for this conversation was, I, I hope that when men listen to this conversation, their, their guard around their financial situation starts to lower. I know a lot of guys I talk to, it's still one of the edgiest things for them to discuss. And it was, uh, it, it was, it was not easy. The first conversations that I had with, with you and your team, you know, to mm-hmm. say, Hey, here's where we're at. Here's how much debt we're carrying. Here's what it looks like. Cause it's, it's like getting naked, but mm-hmm. it's a different kind of naked, right? I, I'll get, I'll, I'll take my clothes off faster than I'll show you what's in my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way too. Um, so maybe you could speak a little bit about uh, I would, I would just like for whatever you'd, you'd want to say to somebody who might be feeling that way, what would you say to them to encourage them to, to consider working with somebody like you or even working with you? Because I think it's just a matter of getting your foot in the door and starting mm-hmm. to find the solution instead of hiding away from this big, scary dragon. Totally. Um, so a friend of mine, he's a therapist. He's, he's big on shame. And uh, the, the more you hide things away, the more the darkness grows and the more you can bring some light to it, the more it can go away. So, so much shame uh, for all of us uh, around money. Am I earning enough? Am I supporting? Am I provider? I mean, these things are like programmed into us as men. And um, and it, it can be very easy to affiliate your self-worth with your bank account. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's a super difficult uh, road to navigate when that is how you identify. So, um, I think it's, uh, another reason why I feel like people have shame around it is because everybody can make money, but, um, 
they think, well, I, I can make money. I should know how to save it or invest it or grow it. And, um, and that's just not the case. I mean, we're just not taught hardly ever around money unless it's in our family or somebody that we have a mentor that's like, Hey, this is how I think, you know, I've built my wealth or this is how I have saved. Um, so I think it's super important to ask for help. I just think it's so critical um, because we, we all get emotional around our money. So, you know, I mean, my own personal money, I don't manage it because I'm emotional around it too, but somebody else's money I can manage because I'm not, I'm not, I'm objective about it. Right. And I can take, I'm like one step removed from it, but even my own money, I can get clouded in my own vision of like, Hey, whatever, cause that hesitation, cause that indecisiveness. Um, so I think it's super important to have a, a, an objective third party. And then, you know, uh, from a financial planning situation, there's so much information now. I mean, that's one of the great things about the time we're living in is you can access any information. The challenge is not all of it is good information. <laughs> And so, you know, and, and truthfully, uh, the financial services industry is not notorious for not, not notorious for being super transparent and trustworthy. You, you, you kind of get highlighted around oh, the, the Madoff scandal and this and that and hidden fees and all these things. And, um, you know, ultimately, I still think it's important to have a conversation with somebody and get an understanding of what are the steps, because it just helps to have it laid out and it, it can kind of take that that valve of steam of pressure and shame and kind of release it okay mm -hmm. now it's on the table what can we do to move forward and what 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 i mean do, do changes need to be made whatever and i don't know if it's just me i'll assume that it's not that the worst part of this whole the whole sequence is not knowing as soon as I, as, as soon as thing as I lay things out and I'm, I'm, I'm having it reflected back to me by somebody like yourself, somebody who knows more about this than I do. And there's, it's, there's this moment where you say, okay, now, now we know what it looks like. Now, where do we go from here? That there, there's a, there's a visceral shift in my body that says, oh, that's it. Mm -hmm. It's not, I'm not going to get my head bitten off right now. There's, there's literally that threat of, of danger that. I've felt in my life, you know, finances, hmm. it feels like death in my body. It literally feels like there's something or someone hunting me down all the time. And until I turn around and look and realize that there's either nothing there or it's a squirrel <laughs> instead of like a huge gorilla that wants to bash my head in, then it, that's the moment where I say, Oh, okay, great. Well now, now at least it's here. I see it. It's numbers on a screen. It's not emotions in my body. What's the first step? Where do I go? Uh, that, that that's usually the the biggest shift that that needs to happen. But sometimes it's the hardest to get to because there's mm -hmm. this buildup of uh, what if I turn around and, and it's a gorilla and mm -hmm. I get my brains bashed in. Well, then at, at least you turned around and you got your brains bashed in facing off with the with the gorilla instead of letting it sneak up from behind you. But I mean, in your experience, ha, have you ever found somebody that once you look at the the numbers and on the screen and what's actually there, that there wasn't some sort of solution through it? Uh, no, there's always, there's always, you know, the, the, the challenge is, you know, when, when we can talk to people in their twenties and thirties and even their forties, but if there is no habit of savings built in it, I, I mean, I've literally talked to people who make a million dollars a year and spend 1.3. 
and they're in their fifties and they've never developed, developed that habit of saving. And so those are difficult conversations to have when you're like, you, you will never retire. Um, and, and you will most likely be running out of money here very soon. Right. So that's, that's what I want to try and avoid is helping people just like, Hey, let's just put it on the table. Let's see if there's any tweaks we can be making. And, and there is a path forward. Um, but it just is going to take time and it's not an instant fix, but let's just start talking through it and see what resonates for you. And it, I can come to the table with a couple different ideas. And if you're like, I like this one, I don't like that one, then fine. But right. we got to address it. And that takes a lot of courage, a lot of courage to just say, yeah, I need help on this or I'm open-minded enough. I mean, we, we, we have found, and I, I know you know this, that the most successful people are the people who are open-minded right. and they know they don't know everything. So, you know, I mean, we run the gamut. We talk to people who are super high in finance and, and they, there's still strategies that we can help them with, but they're sitting down with us because they're like, whatever. I, I don't know everything. What, what do you got? Right. And I think that's just such an important thing to stay open and stay curious um, with any relationship uh, around money. And um, so I think that's, that's always the biggest thing. It's like, let's just address it. Let's see what's out there. And then we can talk through it and tar- start taking steps. Yeah. And I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't dealt with any other financial planners other than yourself, but as far as what I know, you, you made it so easy for, for Carrie and I to bring our full selves to the table and which makes all the difference in the world. Right. I'm sure it's a big part of what makes you good at your job. But uh, my experience was that there's no way that we would have been able to really begin that path forward. Had you not been so understanding and non-judgmental and mm. really like we just, we just told you that we've got that. And you're like, yeah, because you probably see it all the time. But we thought we were the only ones in the world with those problems at the time. So, yeah, that means a lot to me. I mean, I think that's, you know, I think empathy is one of the biggest things. And then also non-judgment, super important. And then and then candor, you know, because sometimes you do have to have a difficult conversation and that's uh, and you try and deliver it clearly. But in a, you know, like an encouraging and rolling way of like, Hey, this is what's happening. Here's here's the changes we see that you need to make. Mm-hmm. Let's have a dialogue about it. So yeah, man. that means well, a lot to me. You've been awesome for us, and that's why I'm 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 also happy to just bring you here on the show and and to let everyone in the community know about you. Because as far as I'm concerned, everybody needs a Chris Hempstead in their corner. <laughs> um, so listen, man, I want to get you out of here on time. So I'm going to hit you with a few uh, quick hit lightning round style questions. Then you can tell everybody cool. where they can reach you. Sound good? Yep. All right. So what is one thing you've learned in your life that you wish you knew when you were 18? Um, love myself more. Nice. I like that you didn't, didn't choose a financial. That's good. <laughs> it's all related. Uh, it's all related. That's true. Yeah. What do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Hmm. Uh, the most important value, um, integrity, Mm -hmm. uh, or authenticity. I think that's, that's, I think authenticity for me. Love it. And what does the world need most from men right now? Um, I think listening, Mm. I think holding space. Beautiful, man. 
last but not least, uh, where is the best place for people who are excited to get their financial journey started to reach out to you, connect with you, set up a call? Sure. Uh, be great. So my, my, I know my name is Chris, my full name is Christopher. So it's the email address is my full name, uh, Christopher C H R I S T O P H E R. And then a period and then Hempstead hemp, like the plant stead, like instead. So H E M P S T E A D at N as in Nancy M as in Mike.com. So Christopher.hempstead at nm.com, uh, or you can give me a buzz, uh, 213-243-7062. Awesome, Chris. Uh, well, we'll make sure we put all that information in the show notes for people to find you as well. Now, listen, man, I, I know this was your first, congratulations, your first podcast. You did it. You were awesome. Right on. Thanks. Um, yeah. Thanks for doing that. Cause uh, I'm, I don't know for sure, but if this episode helped even just one guy get begin to get more clear and take more responsibility for his finances, then it's a, it's a big, it's a big difference. It's a big impact. Totally. So it's so important to ask for help and, and be open. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again. I have a feeling that we haven't seen the last of you here on the show, at least if I have anything to say about it, uh, all my best to your, your wife and kids and yourself. And I look forward to having you on again soon. Thanks, Jenny. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, y'all. I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode today. It was a really important one. I was so glad to have Chris on the show. He's been my financial advisor for many years now. And just the basic foundational information that I know so many of us did not receive when we were growing up before we launched into the world. So much good stuff in there. And if you guys are looking for that resource, Chris is more than happy to help. He's also got a background and heavily involved in men's work. That's where we met originally. So he's, he's a real one. Make sure you guys reach out to him. Make sure you guys also go ahead and check out everything we got going on for Rising Man over at risingman.org. Get yourself in one of those last seats for Dojo, risingman.org slash dojo. It's happening next week here in Austin. Get your butt out here. It's going to be amazing. Please subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to the podcast and give us a little follow on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. If you don't follow us already on Instagram, I don't know where you've been, but we're on Instagram at Rising Man Movement. Go ahead and check us out there as well. Big shout out to everybody who's supporting the podcast and supporting the movement in all the ways that you do. We got big things coming up in 2023. I'll just say that and leave it there for now. So be on the lookout. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.